0: Hello and welcome to Cumber Baptist Church Podcast. The following is taken from our evening service, Sunday 16th of June 2019. This evening we are joined by Henry Capper, who takes his reading from James, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, and brings us a message entitled, The Unchanging God. Good evening, good, evening. good to be with you again, and good to see. You're out this, this evening, this, on this quite fine day. I will extend and emphasize the announcements already made by, by Alfie in regards to the, the summer club. Um, if you're unaware of what we're planning on doing, it, sort of every Wednesday from the 17th of July until um, I think the second last week in, in August, we're gonna, um, every Wednesday, meet here for a number of hours from 9 to half 12 to have some, just, games fun activities different team games and um, some crafts some basically um, good fun and extend that to um, primary school sort of early teens and so if you are able to you don't have to partake in any of that if that's all your cup of tea but if you're able and you're um, in a position that you can do that to, to Supervise and um, help would be very much appreciated and this this sheet will be at the back. if you need any more information, just um, contact me, and my number is on that. I would really appreciate um, your help in in that regard and as alfie said i 'm uh, venturing off to the um, across the Atlantic on Thursday and um, to um, specifically Philadelphia in in Pennsylvania, so just two hours below in New York on the east coast of of America. Um, so I, I've led a, a mission team out there that works in partnership with the church that facilitates a summer camp for kids for the last number of years. Um, so I've joy and privilege of doing that um, again, so looking forward um, to that. Not looking forward to getting up um, very early on Thursday morning, I have to say, but it'll be good once we're there. If you're with us this morning, we were looking at the New Testament letter of James And what we find in the book of James is, and what we find in the book of James is a part of scripture that is extremely practical and relevant in its application. What I said was it is really street level Christianity. It's that, it's that, that, it's that day by day, sort of moment by moment Christianity that we, we need. Um, the practical elements that will help us live our lives as good and as honouring to God. What I want to do this evening, what we will consider for just a few moments, is a particular attribute that, I, that quite clearly the writer, the author of this, of this New Testament letter, James, wants to get across to his readers it's the attribute of, uh, a particular attribute of God. And here's your, your big theological word uh, for this evening. And that is immutability. The immutability of God. Now, what in the world does it mean um, to say immutability or the, to be immutable? We shouldn't be daunted once we hear um, those words, but that's an opportunity to learn and to grow and to, uh, glean more of who god is it's a big fancy word i acknowledge that but shouldn't put us off but to be immutable simply means to be unchanging means and furthermore than that not able to change so it means sort of twofold they're similar but they're slightly different means um unchanging but also unable to change Certainly, once we might think of various attributes, once we think of various characteristics of God, we might think of popular notions that are very good. We thought about this a little bit this morning, his love, mercy, power, his authority, his, his faithfulness, just to rhyme off a, a number, and they are all well and true, and they are all great. Um, but there's so much, well, we don't want to, at the same time, play one attribute over and above the attributes of God. We don't want to say that there's a, there's a primary attribute and there's maybe secondary attributes. No, once we see the attributes of God, we see that they all complement each other um, so well. But there's so much wealth and ri- richness when we, we fully are engaged in, in the greatest study of all. The greatest study of all, which is the, just simply the study of God. Once we invest our our minds and once we dedicate our, our lives to that, and that doesn't require what we just watched in the video, that we go away and study and get degrees in theological colleges, as great as that is, that it's a life investment, that once we do that study that we will be left in awe we will see time and time again and we will be revealed time and time again a God who is and a God who was and a God that constantly should blow us away and leave us all sharp. That's, that's my hope for me. I, that is my hope for us tonight. So what we have, in in other words, what James is going to look at is is the unchanging God the unchanging God let's read let's read scripture together I'm going to read um, from verse 1 all the way down to to verse 18 I think it's helpful that we get the broad scope of, of what's going on but we're going to focus particularly from verse 16 onwards but let's consider these first 18 verses of James chapter 1 He gives generously to all without reproach, and it will, be, it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation. Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of life, lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray as we consider these verses from God's word. Father, we we thank you for your word, thank you for its applicability and its relevance, and we ask that you would speak to us, Lord, that we would know your presence and we would know the truth of your word, that it would impact, that it would, it would poke and prod into our lives, Lord, that we would be encouraged from what we consider this evening as we seek to glean more of who you are and that would truly impact and affect our lives for your glory. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen, amen. Please keep your your Bibles open as we look through these verses this evening. If you were out with us this morning, and um, we're going to look at a little bit more uh, context as we think of the, this passage, it'll be helpful if you were not here um, this morning to get the the breadth and the depth of what is what is being said and communicated uh, by 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 these words, and it'll lead us on quite quite helpfully. Um, the author is, is James, as we thought about this morning. He's the half-brother of Jesus, and there's a lot of incredible and invaluable implications uh, from that. James is, is writing to, to ex-Jewish believers, they're these infant Christians. They've came to the faith, they've left the, the old Jewish customs, and now they're followers of, of Christ, they're Christ ones. And though that's, that's good news for them, and that's good news in their, their broad scope of eternity, in the here and now, it's been very difficult for them. As we read, this is sort of these 12 tribes of the dispersion. They, they're outside of their homeland of Israel, they're outside, they're away from, from Jerusalem, the national home for them, the spiritual home. They're a group of believers that have been scattered all over the place. They're not a specific church We get that with other writings, other letters, particularly from Paul, who writes to specific churches and specific locations. That's not really what's going on. They're in different parts outside of Israel. What the, what the heart, what the heartbeat of what is going on that we have to keep reminding ourselves is, as James is writing here is that these these folk these these new Christians are going through so much. They are suffering intensely, not just a, a little bit of oppression, maybe a little bit of persecution. This is real real life for them. This is difficult for them. They're suffering greatly. It's intense. And the purpose behind what James has to say to these 12 tribes in his, his five chapters is, to, is that he wants to, to understand their pain. As I said, he was the, the pastor of the Jerusalem church. He would have knew many of these individuals by name. And like a good pastor, like a good shepherd, he knew the sheep. He knew what they were going through. He longed to see them through these turbulent times. His hope is that they would lift their heads, not to to focus on what's going on as difficult as it may be. He wants to lift their heads to keep eternity in view and fix their eyes on their one true hope, God. And this content forms the, really a lot of what we read about in the, the opening chapter. As James urges the suffering Christians that despite their sufferings, it might sound absolutely crazy. He starts off in verse 2 to, to count it all joy despite these various trials. Sounds irrational, but once we think about that in a little bit of depth, we realize, well, that's actually the totally rational thing a, a Christian should do. And what's the point of that? We'll read the second half of verse four. It says that, uh, or read verse four with me. It says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Because this, these trials are proving the genuineness of their faith. It's, it's proving, do you really mean this? Is this, is this just head knowledge? Is this, the, these just words are, do you actually, are you living this out? Is this something you earnestly believe? And we know that to be true. We know that anything's easy to believe in once everything's plain sailing. But it's really once the rubber hits the road, once there's difficulty, is that once we are actually able to say that we truly believe in something and we're truly going to follow something once it it becomes difficult to do so. But then James wants to remind them that blessed is the man who remains steadfast under these circumstances. trials it's not that you just remain um, steadfast under in these trials and these difficult circumstances just for for the sake of it no there's something that awaits you there's a there's a crown of glory that is coming and will be there once you reach that moment of perfection of completion but James also wants to say as as great as that that is and we could meditate upon that for a long time he wants to say from verse 13 onwards that That no one should perceive that the trials, moments of temptation, originate with God. James' rationale is that that God does not tempt anyone with sin. And his, his reason is this, that God himself cannot be tempted by sin. We can't... Here in 2019, logically say that, that God, who, who is, is holy, who is perfect, wrestles, who is, is embroiled with the, the battle of sin. He doesn't have the, the same battle with sin that, that humanity has. We are, we're tempted, we are enticed um, to sin, to go against God, and that's because of our, our sinful nature. And we can all testify to that. What verse six to 15 tells us is that once we allow desire to gain momentum, that we, once we allow temptations to fill our mind, that leads us to sin. And the, the stark reality, though it's not easy to think about, and we don't even want to consider it, is that sin leads to death. Maybe once you read verse 15, there's another verse, a very famous verse that might come to your mind. It's words that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Says, says, what, what's the wages of sin? The wages of sin is death. It's not popular. It's not something we really want to consider. But then the glorious second half of that verse is, though the wage of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus our Lord. But with verse 16 comes a, a slight turn. It's a different... Change of focus by James as these new dispersed converts had experienced all they had, they began saying that they were being tempted by God, as you read in verse 13, but instead of God being viewed as the tempter of St James, rectifies that thinking in these Christians. and he tells them, but by extension, he tells us as well, that in verse 16 that they should not be deceived. Instead of offering temptation, instead of bringing about trials, God is the, the giver of good and perfect gifts. All that is good, all that is pure, all that is perfect, is a gift given to us. It's a gift given by this unique phrase that we mentioned this morning of the Father of Life's lights. God gives good gifts. God gives perfect gifts. It's really up to us if we're going to acknowledge where that gift is coming from. For the Christian, for even the non-Christian, for every person, God gives good gifts. It's what I was talking to the the, the kids this morning. God gives good gifts. He He gives life. He gives breath to us. We have experiences of life which are majestic we are able to be in relationship with other people we have we have families we have husbands wives children we're able to enjoy food we're able to enjoy each other's company we have we can have shelter we can have rest we can go on holidays god has given us abilities god has given us skills that give us meaning further meaning in life these are all all good gifts and the list is endless Though, what we want to consider briefly is this 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 unique, fairly unique phrase, the Father of Lights. It's interesting. It's quite a fascinating uh, phrase that 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 James says. You could we could ask the obvious question: Why this phrase? Why why does James use this phrase to um, and to identify God? Could he not just said Father God? Could have said just uh, just God? No, he decides to use Father of Lights. And James in, in this this phrase, this, this terminology of God combines two quite massive theological truths. And the first one is this what once he says this, he is saying that, that God is, is the Father and the One Sovereign over the universe our minds maybe potentially and hopefully once we, we we read that once we hear that go right back to the start once we think of 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 creation this is creation language god is is the creator of of light genesis 1 eh, 14 to 18 And God set them in the expanse of the heavens, give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. It was good. Psalm 136 this the, the, the constant refrain of his steadfast love endures forever. Verse 7 says to him being God who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever. God is is the creator of light. God is the creator of light. The second idea proposed is that God as Father is also in and of himself light. He epitomizes, he is light. He creates light, but he himself is light. Both at the same time. God omits light. Psalm 119, 130 says this. The unfolding of your words give light gives light it gives understanding to the simple God exerts God gives out light because he himself is light I know we're talking about God the Father but we can easily can uh, can, uh, can, um, can look at, at God the Son with this one of the many think of the many self-designation title, self-designated titles of Jesus one of the most famous ones the light of the world how does John start his, his gospel. The light that shines in the darkness. The light being Jesus. And then James goes on to say these, these glorious words, which is really our, our focal point and what we want to just spend a moment considering. It says this. this the, so this is the, the father of lights. In the second half of verse 17 is that with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This father of lights, there's no variation, and there's no change. God is light. That means there's no shadows. God is the creator of lights. and does not change or, or shift like shadows. Once we think of a, of a shadow, shadow, shadows move, shadows change, shadows come and go. Shadows don't have any control of themselves. They're always being changed and moved by by light. They don't have any control of of where they go and when they appear or not. That's not like God. God is not like the shadows. He is the light. God is the light who dictates and tells where the shadows will go. We could easily break from verse 12 to break down verse 12 18 and outline the passage into three sections. This is how James wants to convey his message. He's, it's almost as if he's building up to this point in verse 17. Verse, verse 12, James offers the summary of what he had already taught previously. Christians should persevere during trials. Then In verses 13 to 15, James wants to rectify some errors in their thinking. God isn't, he's not the source of temptation, but instead... The source of temptation comes from within us, where the source. Finally, James concludes this section, 16 to 18, by reminding his audience of the true character of God. God is the ultimate source of good in the universe. And the reason that James decides to give, among all of what he could say at this moment, the catalogue of attributes he could say right now. Once he wants to talk about God to these these persecuted Christians, is this that God never changes. This is this is what he wants to get. He could have all of all the things he could have said, all the characteristics, this is the, the chief attribute right here, right now, that he wants to say to these Christians. And what James wants to teach is this beautiful and this foundational truth truth of Christianity. God the Father is the picture of stability in the midst of this danger and that he is immutable and he is good. God the Father is the picture of stability in the midst of this danger. He is immutable and good. And if we try our best to put ourselves into the shoes and the lives of the audience, the original audience, that would have heard these words, how incredibly sweet and reassuring and comforting that would have been. In the midst of their their pain and their heartache, in the midst of a world that was just constantly and drastically changing for them, they've left their, their former religion, they've left Judaism, they're now in Christianity, They've left Israel. Now they're dispersed in various tribes. They're now in jury. They had peace. They had comfort. Now they have hardship. And they even have the uncertainty of just not knowing what the next day was going to hold. What will happen next? Everything seems to be plummeting. And they and... Ourselves also need to remember and be reminded that, that God, even despite circumstances, is trustworthy and holy good. And this, once we have this mindset, will be able to sustain us in the midst of any difficulty. See, the temptation for these, these new converts was that if, any, if, anyone, if anyone could point the finger, they probably could point the finger at God for his, his lack of intervention. In fact, they could maybe go one step further and blame God for the situation that they find themselves, for the plight that they are currently involved in. It's because of their following of, of Jesus and leaving their comfort, their peace, the harmony, the, the what they used to know in the old Jewish religion, that all of this uncertainty, all of this suffering has came about. It's all because they've decided to follow God. We could... Almost, they could easily argue that they had a right, in some sense, to, to question, to point to God and ask, what have you done? This is all because of you, their decision to follow and worship him. And, and, our, and our modern ears know that too. We, know there's, we get a sense of that as well. We get a sense of when, when difficulty lands on our door, when hard times impress upon us, that we, we start to naturally query and start to direct questions at God. And we start to even start to think of the integrity of God. Particularly if we're for Christians this evening, we know much of God. We know sort of who God is and his characteristics. We know God is loving. We know God has power so we might think, why, why hasn't God intervened? If I know this is all true, if it's contained within this book, I'm singing songs that are expressing that. Why is nothing happening? We might get popular notions. People may, at once, suffering arrives on their doorstep, might say, God doesn't exist. God's powerless to help. Do you know, what? God just, just doesn't care. And to be honest, if any of those are true, if any of those popular notions are true, then simply God is is not worthy of our praise and worship. But we know that they are not true. We know that they are false. We know that God does exist. We know that God is good and powerful because we know that God has ultimately intervened. God has ultimately stepped in to this time and space, He has stepped into our situation through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that we see the greatest demonstration of love. We see Jesus who was willing to leave ultimate perfection, leave the, the glory of heaven and to come down into our circumstance that he would come in the accordance with the Father, the Father's will, and he would he would live that life of perfection. That he would die, that death that he did not need to die. But Jesus would not remain dead. Jesus would rise three days later. And because of this, because we know that God intervenes, because God is a God who keeps His word and promises that He would not forsake that. We know that we can trust God. We know that he's a, a God who holds his promises, a God that does not change. And that is good news for us. That is good news for our ears. In light of our, our circumstances, God has not changed. In light of the evil in this world, and switch on your television and look and read a newspaper, God has not changed. In light of continued human rejection of God, God has not changed and this is the most difficult one personally speaking, in light of my own sin, in light of your own sin, God has not changed. His love, his mercy, justice, all remains constant. It never dips, decreases, never increases, never grows, but it remains constant simply because perfection doesn't need to change. It can't. We all know that we live in a fallen, broken world. We, deep down, we know difficult and painful times will come knocking on our door. But none of our trials or temptation comes from God. It comes from the evil in our world and the sin that resides within us. And we need to have discernment to tell the difference between those two. To follow Jesus is to learn that there, there's going to be ups and downs. But that in the moment, we can know the presence and the comfort of a loving Father. God is unchanging. God is is unmutable. But yet we can struggle with this. Is that you? Do you struggle with that idea that God doesn't change? I'd say most people don't disagree with that. I don't think people will honestly say that they think God doesn't change. But what the struggle is that they struggle to believe it. And the reason why is that, well, we long for lives that are peaceful we long for lives that don't have radical and drastic change. We would love if our lives were mapped out for us and we would know what was around each corner of each episode in life. But unfortunately, we do not have a world like that. We don't live in a narrative that fits that concept. We live in a world that is is, and has always been constantly changing the weather is, is constantly changing. We know that all too well here. Absolutely crazy yesterday. was just nuts. We have, a, we have hobbies one month and they're gone the next. We support football teams that are winning one season and then the next season they, they can't buy a win. We plan to go somewhere and then our plans are, are shafted. But most specifically the, the biggest area of change in our lives I want to argue is that they're they're in regards to our relationships. People change. That can be for the better and that can be for the worse. I'm pretty sure all of us could say that we had friends that no longer are our friends anymore. I'm sure that you knew I know of people who at one point in their life said, You know, I, I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. If you were to ask that question today, you'd get a very different answer from them. People change. You and I change. We are in a constant state of changing. This is all why it is so important and reassuring that that we have a God, that we come to a God that does not change. This, This is good news, this is gospel stuff. God's not altered by the latest trend or worldview. He does not need to grow in wisdom and knowledge. His his love is not dependent on how obedient and faithful we have been. Perfection does not need to change. And this thought brings us comfort as we enter into the perplexities of each day. Amid all the changes and, and uncertainties of life, God remains the same. Because God does not change, we can trust him wholeheartedly. We don't need to worry. We don't need to be anxious of, is God going to keep, our prom- keep his promises? And we can trust a God that that the moment sin entered the world, he set about his plan of redemption that will culminate in him sending his, himself, his son, to die for the very sins of the world. We can trust that God, and we can pray to that God who isn't affected by emotions or, or mood swings, we can trust a God who is unchanging. One of the attributes that's, that's often overlooked and sidelined and sometimes put to the periphery of matters is the attribute that God does not change. The, the attribute of immutability is one which enables us to depend on God to be God. And it's why we can be certain that every promise of God is trustworthy and will come to fruition let's pray our father we we acknowledge that you are just simply not like us we don't want to ever put you in a box we don't want to make you just like ourselves Lord, once we, once we read this, once we consider this, we just think of our own lives and reflect on our own lives. And Father, we change constantly, for the good or for, the, for, for bad. We, we can change from, from morning to evening. God, you're not like us. You're, you're not changing in who you are, Lord. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for the truth of that. Thank you that you're God, that we don't need to be anxious of how you're going to respond. You've told us how you've, you're going to respond, how you, who you are exactly. Thank you that you, we can put our trust in you who does not change. Thank you that you love us no matter how much we love you. You can't love us no more. You can't love us no less. And thank you for the good news that that is to our hearts. Lord, would we revel in that? Would we be left in awe of who you are? Would we desire to seek more of who you are, understand more of just your majestic nature? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we ask us in Jesus' name. Amen.